Chapters twenty three and twenty four of Stories from Virgil. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Stories from Virgil by Alfred J. Church. Chapters twenty three and twenty four. Chapter twenty three. The Council. So the battle had an end, and the next day, early in the morning, Aeneas paid his vows, for he took an oak tree and lopped the branches round about and set it on a mound and thereon he hung, for a trophy to Mars, the arms of King Mezentius, the crest dripping with blood, and the headless spears, and the corslet pierced in twelve places. Also he fastened on the left hand the shield, and hung about the neck the ivory-hilted sword. And next, the chiefs being gathered about him, he spake, saying, We have wrought a great deed. Here ye see all that remaineth of Mezentius. Now, therefore, let us make ready to carry the war against the city of Latinus. This, therefore, will we do with the first light to-morrow. And now let us bury the dead, doing such honour to them as we may, for indeed they have purchased a country for us with their own blood. But first will I send back Pallas to the city of Evander. Then he went to the tent where the dead body was laid, and old Acetes kept watch thereby. Acetes, who had been armour-bearer to Evander, and now had followed his son, but with evil fortune. And the women of Troy, with their hair unbound, mourned about him. But when they saw Aeneas, they beat their breasts, and sent up a great cry even to heaven. And when the king saw the pillowed head and the great wound in the breast, he wept, and said, Ah! why did fortune grudge me this, that thou shouldst see my kingdom, and go back in triumph to thy father's home? This is not what I promised to Evander when he gave thee to my charge, and warned me that the men of Italy were valiant and fierce. And now haply, old man, thou makest offerings and prayers for him who now hath no part nor lot in the gods of heaven. Yet, at least, thou wilt see that he beareth an honourable wound. But what a son thou losest, O Italy, and what a friend thou, Iulus! Then he chose a thousand men who should go with the dead and share the father's grief. After this they made a bier of arbutus, boughs, and oak, and put also over it a canopy of branches, and laid the dead thereon, like unto a flower of violet or hyacinth which a girl hath plucked, which still hath beauty and colour, but the earth nourisheth it no more. And Aeneas took two robes of purple, which Dido had woven with thread of gold, and with one he wrapped the body, and with the other the head, and behind were carried the arms which Pallas had won in fight. And they led the old man Acetes, smiting on his breast, and tearing his cheeks, and throwing himself upon the ground. And the war-horse Ethan walked beside, with the great tears rolling down his cheeks, and also they bare behind him his helmet and shield, for all else Turnus had taken. And then followed the whole company, the men of Troy, the Arcadians, and the Tuscans, with arms reversed. And Aeneas said, The same cares and sorrows of war call me elsewhere. Farewell, my palace, for ever. And he departed to the camp. And now there came ambassadors from the city, having olive branches about their heads, praying for a truce that they might bury their dead. Then Aeneas made answer, Ye ask peace for the dead. Fain would I give it to the living. I had not come to this land but for the bidding of the fates. And if your king changeth from me and my friendship to Turnus, I am blameless. Yet methinks Turnus should rather have taken this danger upon himself. And even now, if he be willing to fight with me, man to man, so be it. 
but now bury ye your dead. Then they made a truce for twelve days, and the men of Troy and the Latins labored together, hewing wood upon the hills, pine and cedar and mountain ash, and the men of Troy built great piles upon the shore, and burned the dead bodies of their companions thereon, and their arms with them, and the Latins did likewise. Also they that had been chosen to do this thing carried the body of Pallas to his city, and King Evander and the Arcadians made a great mourning for him. But when they had made an end of burning the dead there arose a great tumult in the city, for many had lost husband or brother or son, wherefore they cried out that it was an evil war, and they cursed the marriage of Turnus, and would have him fight with Aeneas man to man, that there might be an end of these troubles. And lo, in the midst of the tumult there came back the ambassadors that had been sent to Diomed, saying that their prayers and gifts had availed nothing. Then King Latinus called a council of the chiefs, and sat him down upon his throne, and bade the men say on. Then Venulus, who was the chiefest among them, spake, saying, We went to Arpi, to the city of King Diomed, and the man received us, and asked us wherefore we had come. And when we had told him, he spake, saying, Men of Italy, why will ye thus tempt your fate? Know ye not that we, as many of us as lifted hand against the men of Troy, have suffered grievous things? For the lesser Ajax perished on the rocks of Euboea, and Menelaus was driven even to the island of Proteus, which is hard by the land of Egypt, and Ulysses scarcely escaped from the Cyclops, and as for King Agamemnon, an adulterer slew him in his palace, and us the gods suffered not to see wife or country again. But as for this which ye ask of me, I fight not against men of Troy any more. These gifts which ye bring to me, give rather to Aeneas. We have fought together, and I know how mightily he rises to the stroke of his sword, and casts his spear. I tell you this, if there had been in Troy two others such as he, the war had come to the gates of Argos, and Greece had suffered even what she wrought. Twas he and Hector, who for ten years bore up against our arms, both valiant men and strong, and this man the dearer to the gods. Make peace with him, if ye may, but beware that ye meet him not in war. And when they had made an end of speaking, there was a murmur in the council, some saying one thing and some another. Then King Latinus said from his throne, This is an ill time for counsel when the enemy is about our walls. Yet hearken to my words. Ye do ill to wage this war, for the men of Troy are dear to the gods nor may any sword prevail against them. Ye have heard what saith King Diomed. Ye see also how low our fortunes be brought. My sentence, therefore, is this. I have a domain near to the Tiber, stretching far to the west, a land of cornfields and pasture. This, and the pine forests also on the hills, will I give to the men of Troy, and I will divide also my kingdom. But if they would rather seek some other land, let us build them twelve ships, or more, if they be able to fill them, and let them depart in peace. Now therefore let us send ambassadors, even a hundred men, and let them carry gifts, talents of gold and ivory, and also a throne and a robe, which are the emblems of kingship. Then spake Drances. Now Drances had great jealousy of Turnus. Bountiful was he, and eloquent, and skilful in counsel and debate but feeble in fight. This matter about which thou askest us, O king, 
is manifest, and needeth not speech, for all men know what shall best profit the people, yet fear to say it. Tis this man that hindereth us from speech, this man for whose evil pride, ay, I will say it, though he threatens me with death, so many valiant chiefs have fallen, while he makes a vain show of his valour. And now, O king, I would bid thee add one more to thy gifts. Give thy daughter to this great son-in-law, and make peace sure for ever. Yea, Turnus, yield thou this to thy country. Lo, we all ask it of thee, even I, whom thou holdest to be thine enemy. But if thou wilt not, counting a royal wife to be more than thy country, call not on us to die for thee, but meet thy rival face to face. Then in great wrath Turnus made answer, Thou hast always many words at command, O Drances, and when the senators are called art ever first to come. But where is thy valour? Where are the trophies which thy right hand hath set up? Wilt thou make trial of it now? Lo, the enemy is at hand. Shall we go? Dost thou linger? Is all thy valour in thy boasting tongue and coward feet? And thou doubtest, forsooth, of my courage. What? Hast thou not heard of Pallas slain? and Bitius, and Pandarus, and all whom I laid low when they shut me within their walls? And now I would speak of thee and thy counsel, my father. If thou thinkest that one defeat is enough, and that fortune may not change, be it so. Let us pray for peace. Happy then he who hath died before he saw such foul disgrace. But if we have yet strength remaining, and nations and cities that will yet help us, if these men of Troy have won their victory dear, why faint we at the threshold, and tremble before the trumpet sounds? Diomed will not help us, but we have Messapus, and the augur Tolumnius, and all the chiefs of Italy, yea, and the Volscian Camilla, with her squadrons clad in bronze. And if they would have me fight man to man, I refuse not in such a cause. Let him be mighty as Achilles, and don the arms which Vulcan hath made. I refuse not the battle for my life is for you and for your king. But while they disputed, there came a messenger unto the palace bringing tidings of fear, for the men of Troy, he said, were marching in battle line from their camp. Then there arose a great uproar, some crying aloud for arms, and some weeping. Loud was it as the clamour of birds that settle in some deep wood, or of swans by the mouth of Po. And Turnus cried, Call your counsels, my friends, speak of peace as you sit, but the enemy is at the gate. And he made haste, and rushed forth from the senate-house. CHAPTER Twenty Four, THE BATTLE AT THE CITY Then Turnus commanded of the chiefs, some should set the battle in array, and some should fortify the gates, and some should follow after himself. And men dug trenches before the gates, and gathered store of stones and stakes, and the women and children stood upon the walls. But the queen and the chiefest of the matrons went to the temple of Pallas, and with them was the virgin Lavinia, from whom all these sorrows sprang, casting down her beautiful eyes to the ground. And they offered incense and prayer to the goddess, that she would break the Phrygian robber's spear, and lay him low before the walls of the city. Then Turnus armed himself for the battle, and ran down from the citadel, and lo, at the gate there met him Camilla with a troop of virgins riding on horses. And when they had lighted down therefrom, the queen spake, saying, I promise thee, Turnus, to meet the horsemen of Troy and of the Tuscans. Do thou abide here on foot, and guard the walls. 
and turnus steadfastly regarding her made answer what thanks shall i give thee for such service but now hearken to me there lieth a valley whereby aeneas proposeth to come against this city in the mouth thereof i will lay an ambush do thou therefore meet the tuscan horsemen in battle having with thee messapus and the horsemen of tiber and when he had said this he departed and laid the ambush against aeneas in the meantime diana where she sat in heaven spake to opus who was one of the nymphs that waited on her camilla goeth forth to battle who is dearer to me than all virgins beside and hath been so even from a child she is the daughter of king matabus now matabus being banished from this city even privernum by reason of his violence fled taking with him his daughter her he carried in his bosom and the volscians pressed hard upon him as he fled and he came to the river Amasenus, and it chanced that the river was swollen with abundance of rain, and overflowed his banks, and the king, when he would have crossed it by swimming, feared for the child. Therefore he took the great spear which he carried in his hand, and bound the girl thereto with strips of bark, and balanced it in his hands, saying, I vow this child to thee, daughter of Latona, to be thy servant for ever and he cast the spear with all his might so that it fell on the other side of the river then did he throw himself into the stream and so escaped from the land of his enemies thereafter he dwelt not in house or city but lived on the hills with the shepherds and the child he nourished with mare's milk and the like and when she could first put her feet upon the ground he put a javelin in her hand and gave her a bow also and arrows no gold had she on her hair nor wore she long garments such as women use but was adorned with a tiger-skin also from a child she would cast the javelin from her hand and whirl the sling above her head and strike the crane or the wild swan even in the midst of the clouds many tuscan mothers would have had her for their daughter-in-law but marriage pleased her not i would she had not come to this war then i had made her one of my companions but seeing that her doom is upon her i give thee this charge concerning her pass thou down to the earth and to the latin land where they begin even now this evil battle and take from thy quiver an avenging arrow and whosoever shall harm the virgin be he man of troy or italian shall pay the penalty but her will i carry back to her native country neither shall any man spoil her of her arms in the meanwhile aeneas and his army were come near to the walls and first the horsemen ran together against each other holding their spears forth in front in this battle tyrannus the tuscan met acontius and drave him from his horse with the shock as a thunderbolt is driven from the sky or a stone from an engine and the ranks of the latins were troubled and fled and the men of troy pursued them but when they came near to the gates the latins turned upon them and the men of troy fled in their turn even as a wave upon the shore floweth and ebbeth, so twice they fled, and twice they pursued. But the third time they joined battle, and gave not place one to the other. Then fell many men and horses dying to the ground. Orsilochus smote the horse of Remulus between the temples, and the beast reared and threw his rider to the earth. Next Catullus of Tiber slew Iolus and Herminius, who fought with breast and shoulders bare driving his spear through him from side to side. But fiercest of all was the virgin Camilla, with one breast bare she fought, and now she would shoot arrows from her bow, and now would ply the battle-axe, and the virgins that were her fellows, as Larina and Tulla and Tarpia, 
followed close behind her. Like to the Amazons they were, when, having their shields shaped as is the moon, they throng around their queen Penthesilea, or Hippolyte. Unius she slew, a man of Troy, and Pegasus, and Lyrus, Etruscans, and others besides. With every arrow she slew a man, and the hunter Ornitus came against her, having for helmet the head of a wolf with white teeth, and in his hand a hunting spear. He was of greater stature than other men, but she slew him, and mocked him, saying, Didst thou think, Tuscan, that thou wert hunting wild beasts this day? Lo, a woman's arms have brought thy boasts to nothing. Then she slew Orsilochus and Butus, mighty men of Troy. Butus she smote as he fled from her, but from Orsilochus she made as she would flee, then wheeling round, met him face to face, and cleft his head in twain. The son of Onus, whose father dwelt amongst the Apennines, trembled to see the deed, and was fain to escape her by craft, after the fashion of his country, being a man of Liguria. Therefore, he said, What glory is it if thou prevailest by reason of the swiftness of thy horse? Fight with me now on foot, and let us see who shall gain the victory. And when the virgin leapt to the ground, giving her horse to her companions, he turned his horse to flee. But the virgin cried, Thinkest thou to escape me thus, thou fool? Never shalt thou see thy father, the crafty Onus, again. And she made haste, and outran the horse, and catching the reins in her hands, stood before him, and slew him. Then did Tarkin the Tuscan rebuke his horsemen, calling each by his name, and saying, What fear, what baseness is this, ye Tuscans? Shall a woman drive you before her? Ready enough are ye for the dance, and the feast, and the sacrifice, but ye lag behind in war. And he drave his horse at Venulus of Tiber, and caught him in his arms, and carried him away. As an eagle carries a snake which he hath caught, and the snake, winding his coils about the bird, struggles and hisses, so did Tarkin carry him off, and spy out a place where he might smite him, and Venulus strove amain to keep the sword from his throat, and all the men of Troy and the Tuscans charged again when they saw their chief do so valiantly. But all the while Arons watched the virgin Camilla, that he might take her unawares. Now there was a certain Chlorius, priest of Sibylle, who rode through the battle very splendid to behold, for his horse was clad in bronze mail, that was clasped with gold, and he himself was clad in purple from beyond the seas. His bow was of Lycia, and his arrows of Crete. Of gold was his bow, and of gold the helmet, and his saffron scarf was clasped with gold, and his tunic was embroidered with needlework, and his trews were of diverse colours. Him alone the virgin followed, blind to all beside, with a woman's love of beautiful spoil. And Aaron's watched her from the ambush where he lay, and when the time was come he cried, Apollo, Lord of Soracte, help me now. If ever I and my people have passed over the burning coals in thy honour, help me now. I seek not spoil nor glory. Let me return without honour to my country, so but I slay this fury. And part of his prayer the god heard and part was scattered by the winds. Camilla, indeed, he slew, but to his country he went not back. But when the bow twanged, all the Volscians turned their eyes to the queen, but she was not aware of the arrow, even till it smote her under her breast. Then her companions ran together, and caught her as she fell, and she would have drawn forth the arrow, but it was deep in her side. Then did her eyes swim cold in death, and the colour, 
that was as the color of a rose faded from her cheek, and as she died she said to Akka, who was dearest to her of all her companions, Akka, my sister, my strength faileth me, bid Turnus that he join the battle, and keep the men of Troy from the city. And she loosed hold of the reins, and fell to the earth, and the battle grew fiercer as she lay. But when the nymph Opus saw that she was dead, she groaned and cried, O virgin, thou hast paid the penalty of thy deed, in that thou defiest the men of Troy. Neither hath it profited thee to be the servant of Diana. Yet will she not have thee unhonoured in thy death, for whosoever hath harmed thee shall surely die. Then she flew through the air, and lighted on a mound that was the tomb of Lawrence, who had once been king of the land. And when she saw Arons boasting of his deed, for at first he had fled stricken with fear, but had now taken heart again, she cried, Come hither, that thou mayest suffer thy doom, and that thou hast slain the virgin Camilla. And she drew the bow till the ends thereof came close together, and her left hand was on the arrowhead, and her right hand on the string. And even as Arons heard the clang of the bow, the arrow smote him that he died. But when Camilla was dead, her companions fled, and the Rutulians also, and the chiefs were scattered, and the battalions left desolate, and there rose a great cloud of dust that rolled ever nearer the city, and a dreadful shout went up to heaven. Then those that first came to the gates were trodden down by the crowd behind them, that they died, yea, even in the sight of their homes, and those that were within shut the gates and drave back with arms such as would have entered and then was slaughter and confusion without end. And even the women upon the walls cast javelins with their hands, and thrust with stakes of wood that had been charred with fire, even as with spears. But now there came ill tidings to Turnus, as he lay in ambush in the wood, even that Camilla was dead, and that the enemy had the mastery. Wherefore he rose up from his place, and came out upon the plain. And even as he rose up, Aeneas had won his way through the wood, and overpassed the ridge. Then did they both haste towards the walls. And Aeneas saw Turnus, and knew him, and Turnus also saw Aeneas. But the darkness hindered them that they should not fight together that day. End of chapters 23 and 24. Recording by Bill Borst.